I was glad when they said unto me, let us come into the house of the Lord. As always, it's a pleasure. It's wonderful to see Smiling Mask. I uh, would like to say that I have more than 2020. <laughs> Jimmy, <laughs> the smile even behind the mask. I'd like to say that I have, what is it, better than 2020 vision. But I can uh, see through fabrics like Superwoman, but uh, that is not the case. But I know that beneath your mask, behind your mask, you are smiling just as I am smiling. So very happy to be back in the house of the Lord with each one of you. I'm greeting you, of course, in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Greeting you with his love and excitement about whatever his next step is for us. We've got announcements for this week, so we've got some steps, some things that we are looking forward to in our very near future. Uh, just as a quick aside in terms of my hours at uh, Granbury, that is my office hours as pastor of all of the churches in uh, the uh, two-county cooperative parish, I won't be back into uh, my office until the 26th, Monday the 26th of October. That's quote-unquote when the, um, uh, when the uh, two-week period officially ends, if I've calculated correctly. Um, but I won't be in um, tomorrow. On October 27th, October 27th, all of our conference reports, Treasurer's Report, Nominations Report, SBRC Report, um, finance report, uh, finance treasurer, same uh, report, trustees report, those are all due into the EVC dashboard. Um, Jimmy, you always successfully take care of that, so undoubtedly that's probably already there. I've not had a chance to check, but thank you for all that you do. Um, on the 31st of October, that will be the date of, or the new date for our annual conference, the VAUMC annual conference that we tried uh, to have uh, before and were not able to because of technical glitches with voting, where voting was concerned. Though we heard some wonderful reports about the life of the United Methodist Church of Virginia conference, and there are exciting things going on. God is growing and adding new congregations to our conference. And that was exciting to hear. Not only that, but just uh, the various kinds of work that are going on in different segments of our uh, conference. Uh, to move on to that, our district uh, conference, uh, Palooza, as our DS likes to call it, and our charge, charge conferences will take place via Zoom on uh, November the 7th, and the time for that will be 9.30, yes, 9.30 until 11.30 a.m. Now, I invite you that as you are able, please stand with me for our call to worship this morning, as you are able. And that day, you will sing I will praise you, O Lord. You were angry with me, 
but not anymore. Now you comfort me. See, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. With joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. In that wonderful day, you will sing. Thank the Lord. Praise his name. Tell the nations what he has done. Let them know how mighty he is. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. Let all the people of Jerusalem shout his praise with joy. For great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among us. Amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated while we listen to our next hymn uh, of the morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I like to think that every Sunday we're taking another uh, step in our march toward Zion, marching toward Zion this morning. Our opening prayer this morning is going to be from the heart of the psalmist and the words that come from Psalm 61, verses 1 through 5. That's our opening prayer. And then, of course, that will be followed by our pastoral prayers and then our Lord's Prayer. With that said, do we have new pastoral concerns? I know we keep Jimmy, you, and your family in our prayers. Um, certainly, we also, Cody, we keep you, your family in our prayers, and we do not leave you out, Anne, and your family in our prayers. Are there others that we wish to add uh, to our prayers. We're praying also this morning, of course, for Granberry's 
uh, those who are on our COVID-19 um, sick list uh, or concerns list, they are doing well. They are doing well. Um, one exception needs a little more time uh, for healing, but um, we're praying for them all. Are there any others, any other prayer concerns this morning? If there are none others, then let us uh, prepare to go before the throne of grace. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry unto you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you, Lord God, have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from my enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Selah. For you, O God, for you and you alone, O God, you have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Father God, we do come to you, Lord God, this morning, knowing, Lord God, that as you have promised in your word over and over and over again, Lord God, that when we as your children, Lord God, come to you, Lord God, with our concerns, Lord God, with our petitions, as well as our praises and our worship in prayer, Lord God, that you are the God who sits high, you look low, and you hear, and you answer our prayers. Just as the psalmist's words, Lord God, reminded, confirmed to us again this morning. Father God, you know, Lord God, the names that we've already mentioned. Names, Lord God, of the members here, Lord God, at Bethel United Methodist Church. Father, you know, Lord God, about those needs, Lord God, in Granbury, Anderson Chapel, Lord God, Ridgeway, Lord God, Cascade, oh God. You know, Lord God, the concerns of all of our members in the two-county cooperative parish. You know, Lord God, those, Lord God, who have aches and pains and illnesses, Lord God. Health concerns that only you, Lord God, can provide a healing for. You know, Lord God, those, Lord God, who are still, Lord God, some rocking and reeling, others, Lord God, leaning on you as the rock of their strength in this day, Lord God, in this time, Lord God, of great loss. We thank you, Lord God, for being that rock and being that comforter, being that strengthener for each and every one of us in such times, Lord. We continue to pray, Lord God, for members, Lord God, of our congregation, Lord God, who have been exposed, Lord God, Father God, to COVID-19, Lord God. Some have received, Lord God, reports, Lord God, some positive, some negative, Lord God. But we're just asking you, Lord God, to be with them all, Lord God. Strengthen their bodies, Lord God. Restore, Lord God, each one to total health. We pray not only, Lord God, for our families, Lord God, our friends, Lord God, but we pray, Lord God, for those around this nation who have been affected, Lord God, by not only COVID-19, but other health concerns, Lord. You know all about them as well. We pray, Lord God, for... Uh, the pandemic, Lord God, that you, Lord God, will place, Lord God, 
your hand, Lord God, upon the states, Lord God, who see a rise, Lord God, not only in reporting, Lord God, but a rise, Lord God, in cases, Lord God. Father God, we ask you to bring about healing in those situations as well as, as well, Lord God, as provision, Lord God, for the health care of those infected, but more so, and not just more so, Lord God, but rather as much, Lord God, protect those who are still, Lord God, in the trenches, working, Lord God, within the hospitals to help, Lord God, bring about the healing, Lord God, of those who are, Lord God, infected and affected, Lord. We pray for all of those, Lord God, who are first-line workers, including, Lord God, our service workers, deliverers, Lord God, of those essential items, Lord God, products, Lord God, that we need. Please keep them safe, Lord God. Father God, they have homes and families. We're asking you to watch over them. Watch over, Lord God, the portions of our country, our nation, Lord God, that have been affected, Lord God, by fires and floods, Lord God, rains and winds, Lord God. You know all about it, Lord God. Father, we ask you to provide the restoration, Lord God, tools, Lord God, and resources, Lord God. Father God, that they need, Lord God, in this season and in this time. Keep, Lord God, those, Lord God, who are first-line workers, Lord God. Keep them safe, sound, Lord God, and protected, Lord God, from hurt, harm, and danger. We continue, Lord God, not only to pray for them, but we do pray, for Lord God, for our nation and all the other concerns that we have for, Lord God, those in leadership, Lord God. We pray for our president, Lord God. We pray for the members of Congress, Lord God. We pray for all of those, Lord God, in every level of government, because that's your command to us. We pray for Lord God for their safe keeping in your hand, your protection for them, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, that you will surround them with godly counselors, Lord God, whom they, Lord God, will pay heed to. We thank you for that as well. Father, for these, Lord God, and all of the blessings that we do not have time this morning, Lord God, to pray for. But we thank you, Lord God, because you know our needs, Lord God. And you, Lord God, are well able to provide for each and every one. It's in Jesus' name that we thank you for this and that we pray the prayer that our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, our scripture passage for this morning it's a passage that I encourage you to read when you arrive back home. And that is 1 Kings 18, 16 through 40. It's a very familiar story. And I, well, I dare to say it's one that is one of your favorites. We remember it from Sunday school days, from Sunday school days and Sunday school classes. We remember it from vacation Bible school. We remember that this is a, a text that has been preached over and over again because it is such a uh, comforting and compelling story for us. It is the story of Elijah on 
Mount Carmel. Elijah and the 450. Yes, that's what we usually hear, the 450 Baal prophets. Actually, there were 850 called to Mount Carmel. Um, and as you read the text, you'll see that, that little aside. But, but our focus for this morning, the focus that the Lord has, has me to uh, have us zero in on, are the verses that we find in verse, from verse 36 to 39. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36 to 39. At the time of the evening offering, the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all of these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you, the Lord, are God and you have turned their hearts back to yourself, back to you. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. The wood, the stones, and the dust also licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, Lord, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said, seize the prophet the prophets of Baal. Let not one escape. They seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishron. And as God's law required, he slew them there. Please again bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, this is the text of the day. This is, Lord God, the scripture that you, Lord God, have drawn, Lord God, me too, Lord God, and have instructed me, Lord God, to expound upon, to share, Lord God. Father God, with your congregation, your beloved ones, your waiting congregations on this morning, I pray, Lord God, that as I decrease, Lord God, you will increase. Father, I pray that I will only say those things that you would have me to say. And I pray, Lord God, further that I will only do those things you will have me to do. I pray that you open, Lord God, our eyes, Lord God, the eyes of our understanding. And I pray, Lord God, that you will inscribe on our hearts the words, Lord God, from your Lord God, Lord God, very lips to us this morning. I pray, Lord God, that these things, Lord God, that you show us, Lord God, Father God, and tell us and instruct us to do, Lord God that we, Lord God, will do not in our own power, but simply by yielding to your precious spirit and, Lord God, trusting you to lead us, guide us, and strengthening us in all of the things and all of the ways that you would have us to do and to go. In Jesus' name we pray and we give you thanks. Amen, amen, and amen. It has been 
a week or so. It's been a week that since we last met. But I wanted to uh, share with you this morning uh, just a little recap, a little recap of what we have been uh, discussing, what we've been learning from the Lord over the past few weeks. We know that we are called to heed and answer God's call for intercessory prayer in this season. He's called us to a, a series of messages regarding intercessory prayer. And the series has been called, O Lord, Hear Our Prayers. We know that God started us, started us with the prayer of Solomon, his prayer for his nation, his beloved nation, Israel, at the dedication of that great and glorious temple, the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. He spoke God spoke to us from 2 Chronicles chapters both 6 and 7. But we've been given a foundation text for our studies. And the foundation text is, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's our foundation. That's the bottom line scripture for our season of prayer. And it is this bottom line scripture for our study of intercessory prayer. According to the patterns that we've seen and heard in some of the leaders of the nation. We've studied the prayer of Solomon. That was the one in 6 and 7, uh, chapter 6 and 7 in Second Chronicles. Then we took a look at Daniel's prayer and Moses, one of Moses' prayers. Today we're going to look at the prayer of Elijah, as I just mentioned. We're looking at how he restored and rebuilt an altar and prayed for Israel at the top of Mount Carmel. We remember that also our ultimate goals, we had some ultimate goals in our prayers, an ultimate goal, rather singular, for our prayer in this season. And that is to see and to participate in the fruit of revival in our land, in our land. I know we're supposed to pray for Israel, and we will do that. We do that. But we're praying for the fruit of revival in our land, our hearts, in our lives, as well as corporate biblical faith in God's church, God's people in our land, in the land of the United States of America. Now, before I begin, let me also remind us that this is a season. That's the way it's described. It's a season of prayer, and that implies an extended time of prayer and it also means that as faithful intercessors, we must be willing to invest in time in prayer. Time in prayer. Just a quick overview of chapter 18 and 1 Kings and, and Elijah's encounter with the Baal prophets. Verse 30, 1 Kings 
18 verse 30. Elijah said unto all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, 12 stones, that was according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And the stones he built, with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would take would contain about two measures of seed. Quick aside about that. We could listen to those words in verse 31, especially. And it says that it were there were 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob's Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. Stopping here to say that God had a personal relationship. We know that with the nation, with the nation itself, as well as with Jacob, his individual. That means that God had a covenant. God had a covenant. God had made a covenant with Israel in that place, in the place where he changed in Jacob's name to Israel. He established a covenant in that season and in that time. We meet the covenant. He's whether Elijah is recalling the covenant God whom Jacob had met. We move down to verse 36, just as a quick overview. And it came to pass at the time of the evening offering, the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said unto the God of, unto the Lord uh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word, at thy word, at thy word. Hear me, O Israel, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned their hearts back again. I'm reading that because those verses that I've just read to you, that verse 36 and on, are the verses that embody, hold who, hold fast, the prayer that Elijah prayed. So I want to go back to that and, and start with verse 36 again and ask you just to listen with me. And we're going to take this, we're going to unpack these verses today and see how they apply to us in this season. At, verse 36, at the time of the evening sacrifice. This was a strategic time of day. Elijah had spent the entire day with the Baal prophets, and they were calling on their God. Elijah stood back, watched them perform as it were. But at the evening sacrifice, that's when Elijah began to pray 
where we could hear his words. Take a note of that time, the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Does that bring anything back to your remembrance, to our remembrance regarding evening prayers, regarding evening the the importance, the significance of an evening activity in the heart and mind of God as well as God's people? Well, very quickly, the evening and the morning were the what? The first day. So I submit to you that God touched the mind and heart of Elijah so that it was at that time of the evening offering that Elijah was to offer his prayer and his sacrifice, indicating that this was the time for a new beginning, not just a new day, but a new season was about to be born for the life of Israel at that time and because of that act. They were no longer going to practice and follow Baal, that is practice idolatry and serve a God other than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were embarking on because of the leadership and the prayer power of Elijah. They were embarking upon a brand new season. The evening and the morning are the first day of a new season. That verse 36 goes on. It says that Elijah the prophet came near, came near to the altar that he had built, the one of the the 12 stones, the 12 stones, uh, 12, I like to think of them as, as, as rocks of faith in this, uh, in this uh, uh, text. But he came, Elijah came near to the new altar, to the altar he had reconstructed there. That has this significance, this symbolism for us. Elijah was bold to come forth, bold in his petition, bold in his standing against the prophets of Baal. He was outspoken in that sense. He came near to that altar. He drew into an intimate space and place, an intimate connection with God in that place of sacrifice and prayer. It goes on to say, and said, these are the words now that Abraham, excuse me, that uh, Elijah is proclaiming, is sharing, is praying with God, praying to God. He says, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Again, he's reminding those who are hearing him as well as he is honoring God as a covenant relationship God, not just God who created the heavens and the earth, but a more personal, a God who cares about his individual people. He's the God who cares about the church. He is the God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Elijah 
comes near in an intimate place at the altar and he calls upon the covenant-keeping God. When we fall on our faces on behalf of our nation, we remember that the Lord tells us that we can come to him and we can ask. Lord Jesus tells us, ask anything if you ask it in my name, in my nature of love, love for me and love for my people. If you come in my nature, love for God, willing to sacrifice ourselves for God, that God's will will be done in the days and the years to come in a revived way. We move on. And it says, the text reads, and this is now still age, uh, Elijah praying, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. In other words, when we're praying for our nation, we are praying and asking God to show up in ways that we understand that it is only God who, who could have accomplished these kinds of things. It is only God who could touch our hearts. It is only God who can change and turn the hearts of people back to him. And we'll get, have more to say about that in a moment. We want God, in other words, to be glorified at the end of our prayer. We want God to be glorified in the answer to our prayers. The revival is not just that we can have a good time in church again, but it is so that we can see changed hearts and lives that are lived to the glory of God. A nation whose God truly is the Lord. Elijah goes on to say in his prayer, he goes on to petition God, let them know that you are the God in Israel, but also let them know something else, Lord God. Let them know that I am your servant, your servant. I serve you, Lord God. Our prayer is, God, let the world see in a new way how I serve you as your son, as your daughter. Empower me to do just that, that I am serving you as I am the one who's been praying faithfully, Lord God, that you intercede, Lord God, that you intercede, intervene, Lord God, in the situations that concern us, Lord God about, Lord God, the life of the church in this season and time. We want to see changes. We want to see our church uh, as, as, as a body, and we want to see ourselves as the church individually. We want to see our hearts and our minds turned back to you and away from the ways of the world. Elijah goes on in his prayer and he says, I want the world to know, I want the world to see, I want other Christians to see and to know that I am your servant, that I'm a Christian, I don't live like the world. I don't live according to popular culture. I don't live according to man's dictates. But I live according to God's 
holy word. He goes on from that point and he says, and that I have done all these things at your word. Again, just reinforcing that. That I don't just say that I'm a Christian, but I live according to the word of God as it is written. As it is written. When I say those words, I'm reminded as it is written. I am reminded of what Jesus would often say to the Pharisees. And especially in Matthew's account in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus would say, you have heard, you have heard, you have heard. But I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you. And Jesus was commanding, we studied, we studied the Beatitudes. Jesus was commanding his people at that time that they move forward according to the revelation of the spirit of love, the spirit of God that was found within the law that had been written and misinterpreted in the time of Jesus. That you have done all these things at your word. That I rather have done all these things at your word, at your word. Elijah wanted those around him to see that he was obeying and following the word of God. And I know that that's the heart of everyone under the sound of my voice this morning. Elijah goes on and we hear the words that are, are encapsulated within our sermon title. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. Hear our prayers. That this people may know He's repeating his, his uh, petition over again. I'm asking you to answer these prayers, not just because I want to be seen as your vessel or your messenger, but I want the world to know and see because you hear and you answer my prayers. You hear the prayers of your people. Elijah ends that statement with these words and have turned, listen closely, and have turned and have turned their hearts back to you. God is the God who can change men's hearts. It's only God that can do that. And our petitions let God know simply our heart is to have what he wants, what God wants. And that's hearts of his people that are turned unto him. Hearts and lives that are turned unto God. We want hearts and lives that are, are bent on, that are so touched that all we want to do is please God in everything that we say and we do. And have their hearts turned back to you, O oh God. Back to you. The word of God tells us that the heart of the king in the book of Proverbs, it's in the hand of the Lord and he turns it whichever way he wishes. We know when we go back to Exodus and we read about Pharaoh's heart, how it was God who turned Pharaoh's heart and the way 
that he would want it. And we know the principle that is set forth in the New Testament, that one who comes to God in and asks for salvation, this is one whose heart has been touched by God and is drawn by God and God's compassion and love. We're taught in the New Testament, no man, no woman, no child can come to God except the God, the Lord God, draws him. So we're praying that the people of God, those who name the name of Christ as their Lord and Savior, and those who have not been saved, who do not have a personal relationship with him, we're praying that their hearts will be turned back to God. And this is what I consider the good stuff, the great stuff. This is what made this story so exciting when we were kids and I hope still exciting today. It still excites me. As I read this text, well, let me read it first. Then the fire of God fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and also licked up the water that was in the trench. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty dynamic. I think that's pretty awesome. I know, I don't just think this part, I know that only a God, our God in heaven, could do anything like that. That is a wonder like we were speaking of when we read Isaiah this morning as our, op- as our call to worship. Our God works wonders. And that's the one thing that he wants to remind us of today. As we pray fervently and faithfully, intentionally, and over time, and over time, for revival in our land, according to the patterns that God is teaching us in these prayers, we can expect our God to answer our prayers and answer in dynamic ways. Maybe not as dramatic, but dynamic ways. And sometimes that dynamism is seen just as we interact with another Christian. And we hear about how how they have been faithfully praying and how their walk has changed with the Lord. We can see it as well when we look around us and we see bodies of Christians moving in new, revived ways. Churches, in other words. Our God is still a miracle-working God. And that's what prayer can produce. That's what God wants to remind us of. That truly the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. Because God will turn and God will heal our land. Verse 39 Verse 39 says that when all the people saw the fire falling. That takes us back to the day of Pentecost. 
Now, the people did not see the fire falling, but what did they see? They saw the results of the fire that fell in the upper room. They saw the results as the people of God who were gathered there in their small number, fervently, faithfully praying day after day after day after day. They began to spill out on the streets and they began to speak with new tongues. They began to talk in a new kind of way about the God that they loved and that they served. And those who were unsaved, unfamiliar with Christ's mighty acts and Christ who he was and the gospel and the gospel and the gospel, they heard the gospel. They responded. They had ears to hear. They could hear this new language in a new way. They could hear this language in their own language, a new kind of way of hearing. These were uh, primarily, well, we, we don't know exactly what countries those in the upper room came from, but what we do know is that when they spilled out from the room and they began to share what had happened to them as a result of the fire of God falling on their lives, falling on them, they began to speak with new tongues and in new ways. The people saw it. Back to Elijah. The people saw it. They fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The revival had started. The new revival, though, required a new response from the people who had been revived. The new response is the act of repentance, the act of their uh, being changed and restored. Elijah said, Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal, let no one escape. They seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kidron. And as God's law required, slew them there. Now, certainly God is not telling us to go kill anybody. That's not the principle here. But the principle is whatever was or served as an idol in our lives. As a result of a revived heart, we have a heart to kill it. Whatever it was. This is from the, from the preacher, from the pulpit to the last pew. We desire to kill it. We desire to have it destroyed, in other words. We cannot do that on our own. But the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will empower us will empower us, yes, to be delivered from, to have no longer have a desire for those things that are not pleasing to our God. Our acts of, rep of repentance lead to a renewal, reinforce a renewal, and restart 
a revival. Please bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I have delivered the word that you've given me, Lord God, to deliver today. It's not just a word, Lord God, for just us here, Lord, at at Bethel. But this is a sound, Lord God, a clarion call, Lord God, that you have issued, Lord God, to the church at large, especially here in America. And Father God, the same Lord God, clarion call, is being issued around the world, Father, that we, your people, who are called by your name, that we will humble ourselves, that we, Lord God, will, Lord God, want to repent, Lord God, that we, Lord God, will, Lord God, turn from our wicked ways, Lord God, that we will want to seek your face as never, as ever, as never rather, before, oh God, that we will trust you, Lord God, because you're the God who's promised to forgive us of our sins and that you're the God who will heal our land. We thank you, we bless you, and we praise you, Lord, for all that you've said and all that you're going to do in response to our faithful, 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 Lord God, fervent prayers in this season. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, Lord God, and we do give you thanks. Amen, amen, and amen. Our hymn of dedication. We will listen and have that um, this time. Would you please stand with me for our closing prayer and benediction. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, that this word, Lord God, has been a blessing, Lord God, that 
we are reminded of your dynamic power, O God. Father God, we're reminded that you do hear and you answer our prayers. Father God, you have intervened on behalf of individuals, Lord God, each one of us present, and on behalf of nations, Lord God, America, England, France, nations around the world, Lord God. When, Father God, they have come to you in prayer, Lord God, in times of specific needs, O God, you've heard, you've been faithful to answer. We thank you, Lord God, for the example that we found in today's word, Lord God, of how, Lord God, you heard and answered the prayer that you inspired, Lord God, your son, Lord God, your prophet, Elijah, to pray on behalf of your people, Israel, your covenant people. And Father God, we thank you, Lord God, and we leave looking forward to the ways, Lord God, that we will see you answering our prayers in this season, the season of time that we've dedicated to pray for our nation. And because we know of your great faithfulness, Lord God, and your great power, we can sing like the songwriter sung, it is well with my soul. It is well. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord our God make his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord our God be gracious to you. Amen. Amen. And may he grant you peace. And amen.